0: guest in the world from wwe to dna impact by way of the nwa it's time for reffin it up with legendary referee brian hepner and guest host mr reffin rant himself jimmy corderas an all new episode starts in this this ish. is reffin it up
1: Welcome back to Refin It Up. I am RJ. I am joined by the two greatest referees of all time, first and foremost, from their great white north, Mr. Jimmy Corderas, and his name is Brian Hebner, and he's the advocate for each and every referee on God's green earth right now. But first, Jimmy, how are you, my man?
2: I'm doing good, my friends. It's good to be back here, and it's going to be a fun one tonight, that's for sure, for today.
1: For sure. So I, I, I kind of played off your uh, interview you did with Renee last night, Brian there. I'm like, he is the advocate. You got to get like business cards or something. Now you're the advocate mm-hmm. for all referees and could get over.
0: Hey man. Um, well, let me start off by saying this. Uh, you guys would love this. I'm in a great, fantastic mood. I am so happy about today. Uh, I woke up on a great mood. I've, I, I've been trying to change my routine ever since I've gone through my little stuff I had going on. And, uh, Every day is a good day, guys. And today's even better because we get to do Ruffin' It Up. And, um, yes, I was on the cafe with Rene Dupre. Uh, and, yes, I had mentioned to him that I would like to be the advocate for all referees in all companies. Go ahead, Jimmy. You're breathing. No, up.
2: no I love it. I love that idea. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, so because um, he had asked me a question about, you know, wanting to help other companies. I said, sure. I don't want to work, though. That's the thing. I don't want to work. I said, I will be the Paul Heyman of the referees. I will be the advocate, if you will, um, or the tribal chief of the referees. Mm. But anyway, mm. enough of that nonsense.
2: <laughs> might, we might Not get can- a little cease and desist for that, though. <laughs> no, but I, I like that because tribal chiefs tend to work a, a, a more limited schedule.
1: K <laughs> <can't pay>, brother? <laughs> Touche All right, gentlemen, we got a big show this week But let's send it up to our first count As always This is your one count Big, big week This past week in professional wrestling Very many Big things, but we'll try to narrow it down For you guys First and foremost, last week I want to get you guys thoughts on the uh, Debut of RVD in AEW, he uh came out last week challenged and it was accepted him him being rvd pronouns pal taking on uh jack perry not no not that Jack. jack perry for those of you that aren't watching brian just flexed so i have to make sure <laughs> that everybody knows that um but guys why rvd you've seen a lot of these past wwe guys a lot of past tna guys what have you come into a w RVD seems to be a little bit more different than all the other debuts. Jimmy, we've seen a lot, man. What do you think?
2: No, it it, it feels different because it's ECW RVD. Yes, he was in WWE yeah. for a long time and he did resonate with an audience there, but he, you know, sold his oats, so to speak, and became who RVD in ECW. He's an ECW original, so to speak. And, you know, we all know that Tony Khan's a big ECW fan. So him coming in there. It makes sense in this situation because that FTW title, you know, taking it from, from hook, who is the son of Taz, another ECW original. I'm okay with it. As long as this is the first step on working his way through past ECW talent. As opposed to him, you know, obviously RVD is going to get his offense in, but he can't beat Jack Perry. He's there to get Jack Perry over even more as a heel. Hopefully.
0: I agree. I agree, Jimmy. Um RVD <clears throat> got a different reaction though, in my opinion, because it's R V D. Uh RVD is simply not an impact guy, is simply not just a uh casual WWE guy. He's a Rob Van Dam, he's a legend. Um, he's an ECW original, he's one of the main guys that ECW is known for. And to see him in that capacity on Dynamite, I think that's why we got the reaction we got. It was it was amazing, by the way. If you go didn't see it, go back and look when RVD came out. They knew he was coming out. He got the double pop. I even tweaked about uh tweeted about it. He got the double pop. He got the music pop, and then he got the physical appearance pop, which is very hard to do in wrestling nowadays. And he did it. And uh that, that just shows the excitement that big guy still's got. So, dude, it, it's RBD, man. It's Rob Van Damn. I mean shit. Damn. Uh yeah. That's mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's just different. And then it's gonna feel different. I thought it was awesome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> hopefully we'll see the good reaction tonight um for their match on uh, dynamite. Um, uh, something else that we, we brought up, or excuse me, you brought up online, uh, Brian, was the involvement of Jim Ross into TNA Wrestling uh, back in 2009. So, basically, I'll pose this question to both of you. You guys can um, um, respond to that, Brian. You'll go first because you, you brought it up. But, what would have or could have happened to TNA Wrestling if the GOAT, Jim Ross? would have taken over the talent and direction of the company in 2009, where would they be or not be now?
0: I thought it was a very, very interesting uh, uh, way of figuring or not figuring the way this to go down if it had gone down. Once again, now this is two weeks in a row now I've pondered off of Bubba's ideas. Bubba, thank you. Uh, I know you listen every week, so uh just, w- just want to thank you. And uh, I'm using what you had actually said. And TNA passed on JR. Okay. Uh, JR was actually willing to accept and really was thought about taking the job. But he wanted more than just talent relations. And according to sources, Dixie's father did not want to take that stuff away from Dixie. So basically, there was no offer to JR which I found very interesting. Um, And he had actually said that he would have cut a lot of the top talent because it was a lot of wasted money and things of that nature. My opinion on that is this. I think that TNA would have been a lot different in a lot of positive ways with someone like Jr. behind the helm. I think Jr. knows how to get talent over, how to pay them appropriately, how to get rid of talent that is not doing anything for your, let's just say your television program, doesn't see anything happening in that and just a smart businessman that was going to run day-to-day operations and run the talent relations department. Not only that, but you've got someone that we finally had to answer to. There was no Vincent McMahon in TNA. There was Dixie and believe me, Dixie was the sweetest person in the world, but that was a problem. The boys ran the roost. Uh, and I don't think that would have happened with you, Jr., uh, JR. I don't think it would have happened at all. I think he'd have said anything that was goofy going on. He would have said, get your ass out of here. and to have a good running program, sometimes you got to have that kind of stuff going on. You have to have someone to answer to. I just think it would be a very interesting scenario if it would have happened to see where they would have been. And where they're at right now, there's nothing wrong with it. So I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying when they were in their peak, where they were drawing 1.2s, 1.3, 1.4s on Spike TV, which are phenomenal numbers as we know now, how that could have possibly been saved. It would have, have been really nice. And I think that if there was anyone who could have saved it, it would have been Jr. Jimmy, yeah,
1: because no. JR even mentioned too. He retweeted or subtweeted or whatever the case may be. I guess quote tweeted, whatever you want to sign. He said TNA never made me an offer after our first and only meeting in Seymour, Texas. So Jimmy, you're you know Jim Ross very well. Worked with him quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Do you think it would have he would have made a big difference there in 09?
2: I think he would have made a huge difference back in 09. And and again. I don't know Dixie Carter, so you know Brian has met her, and he, you know, like you said, that's the problem. She's a sweetheart. She can't, you know, Jr. I'm not saying Jr. would get in people's faces like this if 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 they were doing something inappropriately or whatever the case may be, but Jr. is a stern guy who sticks to his guns. He knows how to act professionally, and he knows the business of pro wrestling. He knows what draws. He knows what attracts an audience. He knows how to build on somebody. He could take someone to the side and say, look, I like what you're doing here, but you need to start concentrating on doing this a little bit more. He could not only manage the talent business side of things, but he could also help in the creative process as well. He's he's an all-around talent and can be used on on commentary too. You're lead play-by-play guy, man. Is there anybody better than JR at it? Especially back then. You know, coming up, he was there during the Attitude Era, during one of the biggest eras in all of pro wrestling. JR is is a guy, uh, very big missed opportunity, let's put it that way.
0: Hmm. Yeah, but it, it was TNA's fault. They dropped the ball, man.
2: Yeah, you, you know, everybody, you know, craved the Monday Night Wars and wanted a reemergence of something like that. Maybe JR would have been a guy that to instigate uh, um, a second coming of those kind of... Uh, scenarios where it's uh, us versus them because they never really caught up to WWE. Let's put it that way. TNA.
0: And, and not only that, there was also speculation of Paul Heyman coming in. Now I don't know okay. anything about that one, but uh, as far, I mean, I know there's speculation on it and that it was out there and put out there, but I don't know. I see Heyman as a different kind of guy, uh, compared to Jr. Uh, I, 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 I listen, Heyman is a smart, smart man. Look at all the years he's been in this business. He's been at the top. He's been the boss. He's been the everything. I just don't know if he's got quite the backstory and the business aspect quite as good as JR. I don't know that to be true, but that's just my assessment. But either or would have been phenomenal additions to them back then when things were kind of falling off the rafters. But, Mm. hey, we're all speculating. That's what we do, right? That's what makes it fun.
1: Mm, Yeah. Some place that was actually, people were falling, not literally, of course, was falling off the rafters, were up, or or over in Detroit, excuse me, this past weekend in uh, Ford Field for SummerSlam. I believe over 59,000 people uh, saw this event. Uh, First and foremost, I'm going to start hot. Everybody's talking about it. Cody beats Brock for the second time at SummerSlam. A lot of people are saying this, this is quote unquote the passing of the torch after the match you know for those of you that didn't see you know the whole Brock put him over at the end of the match um Jimmy I do you think this is a patching of the torch or this is just a matter of hey you did good kid
2: I, I think it's it's both yeah. it's absolutely both because as we know uh, allegedly that whole handshake at the end and the raising of the hand was something that Brock went into business for himself for and Kid that which just goes to show you that Brock knows good business and he always has. And he sold great for Cody when he needed to, you know, he did, it was a heck of a match, but as far as passing the torch, you know, you can make the argument that how much passing can you do to Cody? But then again, if you're telling that story, hard times, he just fought through hard times with one of the hardest hitting, you know, biggest names in pro wrestling slash uh, mixed martial arts pro MMA, it worked. It got Cody over that much more, and you heard it on Monday night when he came out, and th- th- that's what that's what the big tall tale sign is. The audience is a big tall tale sign. It, it it it. His reaction when he came out was incredible. So
0: before I weigh on this, where is he going for four months? I read that he's going somewhere for four months. Where's he going now?
2: Who's that? Brock. Uh, Brock. Brock. Yes. Maybe back to his farm in Saskatchewan.
0: <laughs> it could be it. Okay. Anyway, that guy leaves and comes back more than a guy anybody I've ever seen. Anyway, uh, Match was phenomenal. Enjoyed it. And it was awesome. Uh, I absolutely hated, hated him shaking his hand and giving him a hug and raising his hand. Hated it. I think it killed his character. I think it killed him being the beast. Uh, I did not like it at all. I didn't think it needed to be done. You can pass the torch without going out of character, opening the curtain in front of everybody. I know that a lot of people will argue that point. Has anybody ever seen it done before? Has Brock Lesnar ever showed companionship, compassion for anyone?
2: No. no don't no, like it. it. I, I don't like it. Uh, no, no. I know, bro, we, we, we agree on a lot of stuff, but this one, you know, I'm, I'm on the other side of the fence with him. I, I liked it because, like you said, he has never done it for anyone else. So if Brock is going to elevate someone, what better way to do it than to say, hey, you beat me like I was going to beat you. And you did it on the up and up without any shenanigans. You know, I, I thought I thought it was a great I thought it was a great moment because, like you said, it is something that felt out of character for Brock, but I don't think it hurt him at all. It made him look hey, there is a human being inside that beast.
0: Yeah, Jimmy, I get that too. And, and not to agree to disagree, but He's passing a torch? No he's not. It's Cody Rhodes. Is that What do you mean he's mm-hmm. passing a torch? Does yeah. he mean he's passing the program? The program's over and oh my god, thank you. You're not passing a fucking torch.
2: No, that that point I could see. That point I could see. Passing the torch is maybe the wrong uh terminology. It's more like uh sending him to the next stage in this story that's being told.
0: Okay. And, and I get that. So because he's doing that and they did a good job of doing it and doing business. Now let me hug you and hug, shake your hand. And I don't know, man, I I see your point. I'm not saying I don't see a point. No. I'm not one of these people that just think I'm always right. I'm just saying, no. I just didn't want to see that with Brock. I I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Cause what happens when he comes back? And then, then I don't know, I guess everybody will forget, but whatever.
2: It's okay. We yeah, can we'll- agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what we do, right? Um, no, but I, I've heard the 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 um, stories that you saw, Brian, that he's going away for four months. I've also heard stories and seen stories that he's retiring. I, I don't know, man. I think he's got enough stuff up in Saskatchewan, as as Jimmy said, there on his ranch, and um, he's he, he's going to stay busy. I don't I don't see him being done for good, but um, I kind of see both sides of the coin as far as okay, it's. I wish they would have done it backstage.
2: I hear you. Yep. The one thing that bothered me more than that, if that bothered you in the match was the blatant disqualification that should have happened.
0: Well, we're going to talk about that though.
2: Oh, okay.
0: About- <laughs> oh, I he got, the to- he got the finger. You got the finger. I do want to say one more thing before we get to that. Yeah. I am wrong about one thing wrong. And I want to take all my statements back. He proved me wrong. But that motherfucker, Jake Paul, is probably the most talented celebrity I've ever seen in WWE in a ring. That motherfucker, I used to hate against him, man. Be like, man, get Mm -hmm. him the fuck out of here. You know, yada, yada, yada. I used to hate on it. I'm not going to lie. And I don't want anybody to call me out. Yes, I said everything. You can say it. I said, you're right. I said it. I'm apologizing and saying I'm wrong. That's a bad motherfucker, man. That Mm -hmm. that over-the-top clothesline he did. I mean, he did a bunch of stuff. I don't know if you remember, but he he ran across the ring, grabbed the top rope, flipped over in air, gave the clothesline, and went to his knees. It was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. And he's badass, man. And I'm sorry, Jake Paul, you're a badass motherfucker, man.
2: Yeah. Uh, sorry, again, to uh, Logan Paul, you mean. Jake is his brother. Yeah. Oh, wh- whatever, Logan, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. We know who you're talking about. We know who you're talking But here's the yeah. thing, too. It, it, for a guy who's only done this for a short amount of time that he had, he gets it. Not only does he do some phenomenal stuff, he gets the taking your time, selling, let things get absorbed by the audience instead of going straight to the next thing and trying to cram as much, as I like to say, 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10-pound bag. Yes. He took, they took their time. Him and Ricochet took their time. They told the story. They brought out the big moves and let them resonate.
0: Mm-hmm. once again i'm sorry jake you you're a badass too but i bet your brother will beat your <laughs> ass um, but 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 logan is a badass man I'm, I'm telling you he really really impressed me he won me over i mean this was actually one of my one of my favorite matches on the show yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: yeah absolutely well, the, that- the other
1: thing that surprised me as well as what, what you guys have mentioned is the character building that he has the heel tendencies that he has the he's taking time to get that character development that we're not necessarily seeing a lot sometimes, or he's taking the time he's pointing out Ricochet's fiance at ringside. He's doing this. He's talking to kids at the, at the uh, ringside taking prime energy drinks or whatever. I'm like, he's taking that time to prove that he's the heel. You know what I mean? So I I like that part of it. In addition to obviously everything that uh, that you guys spoke about.
2: No, and I like I I I know a lot of people are, don't like this terminology, but he gets the sports entertainment aspect of pro yeah. wrestling because yeah. it does belong in there. Maybe he's bringing some
0: respect to celebrities, really. You know, what I mean, like he's bringing, you know, not to me. Because I mean, I'm not a celebrity wrestling guy. I'm just not. I believe that the boys that do it on a weekly, daily, monthly, yearly basis should be put over and put on cards, and not these celebrities, part time people. But damn, that Logan Paul is badass. Mm-hmm. And before we hit the reference review, though, ah, um, uh, Jimmy, who was the guy who handed the brass knuckles to him?
2: It was it was <laughs> I I I I wish I, they they said it was somebody who had accompanied him to ringside, one of his uh, handlers or something like that, an assistant. You want my guess?
1: Sure,
0: PD Williams, and I think I'm dead on.
1: really i i saw the picture that that you put out there brian too and it looks him with hair because he doesn't he's got the he's got Mm. the shaved head now is because he's a producer
0: yep i'm Ah. telling you
1: maybe i'm wrong maybe they'll change it because i know
0: everyone at wwe and aew listen to our show so they'll probably change the story (laughs) (laughs) right of course
1: Ah. without question
0: anyway well it was just a quick question but anyway you know what Mm. rj let's head it up to ref and review This is and Review. I'm going to switch this right to Jimmy right now. Jimmy, please tell us the first topic of discussion, which we'll probably end on this. This was a big one, and I know you're passionate, just like I am. And this one bothered you more than me, and it's great. I love it. I want to see you get fired up, Jimmy. Um, Okay. Tell me what you thought about SummerSlam and the – mistake you think was made. Go ahead, Jimmy. Uh,
2: A blatant disqualification happening in front of the referee. When, uh, when Cody Rhodes picked up the top half of the stairs and crammed them right into Brock and Brock sold like a champ, don't get me wrong, but it happened right in front of the referee who I believe it was Chad Patton. Mm -hmm. uh, Our good our good friend, Chad Patton. And he's doing what he's told to do. I'm not putting the blame on him, but at the same time, that is something, and and I get the argument out there. People are trying to say, well, this is a big time match and you have to have referee's discretion. He's got to let things slide. And what's the difference between that and Brock uh, throwing uh, Cody onto the announcer's table at ringside and blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff? There is a difference because you see it all the time. P- people go to the outside of the ring. They get thrown into the barricade. The barricade is not part of the ring, but it's part of the set. When they get thrown into the announce table, the announce table is part of the set. When they get thrown into the steps, the steps is part of the set. You don't see people pick up a section of the barricade and hit them with them. You don't see somebody pick <laughs> up the announce table and hit them with it. You, if you see them do that, then that's a DQ. You're hitting them with an object, not throwing them into a part of the set. When you pick up a, a part of the set, which is considered a foreign object, and hit them with it, that's a disqualification. And it should have been a disqualification it was blatant. They could have... Do- They could have done it a different way. Let's say for example, Brock was the one who picks up the the top half of the steps, goes to hit Cody with it. Cody throws a drop kicker and drop kicks the stairs into Brock. Brock initiated the contact and got hit with the steps. And there you can kind of fudge the numbers, so to speak, but to blatantly pick up the stairs and hit somebody with it right in front of the referee. I'm sorry, DQ.
0: I don't have anything to say. Uh Um, I, the only thing I can say is this, Jimmy, how come you don't blame Chad Patton? How do you do? You not think he knew that spot was coming?
2: Uh, well, the, uh, he, if he didn't mention it to somebody and say, hey, you know what? This is not a need, no DQ match. There, there isn't stipulations in this match. This is a straight up match. If I see you hit him with the stairs, that's a disqualification. So they could have worked something out around it. If he didn't bring it up at all and felt like it wasn't his place, then you can put a little bit of the blame on Chad. But if he brought it up and said, hey, guys, that's a disqualification. What do you want me to do? And everybody says, including the, the the producer for the match, the agent, whoever it may be, and says, no, no, this is a big match. You let it slide. Then it's on them.
0: So if that was just something that the boys called on spot, I get that. But if, like you said, if Chad Patton knew about that spot, that is his fault. I'm sorry. That's your job. That he was there probably what three days prior to the show?
2: Hmm. I yeah, mean, or they, all day, I'm sure. At they, least, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they went over it.
0: So it was missed somewhere agent, hmm. one of the boys, or Chad, someone. Right. But you're right, I can't say anything else. I can't argue with you, I can't rebut this. We get along, Jimmy.
2: See, hmm? yeah, yeah, can't we just say, uh, Hey, can we coexist? That's right. <laughs>
1: Well, it's bound to happen sooner or later, guys. You know what I mean? Um, and something else that is going to happen sooner or later is we're going to be taking out our manscape. Head over to manscape.com right now and use a promo Woo-hoo. code REFIN to get 20% off and free shipping. Brian's in a new house, guys. He's got to get new underwear to walk around his house. Right, Brian? Am I wrong? Or am I wrong? I, I, you're
0: wrong, I don't need new underwear The ones I've got, I've got about 20 pair of them now If I get any more, somebody's going to think I've got uh, Something wrong with me But um, I know one thing <laughs> I, I, I did use my Manscaped I haven't used them in a while since I did this move And oh boy You talk about some smooth balls Talking about some smooth downstairs uh, Yes sir, Manscaped is the, the way the to go What the
4: fuck did I just fucking walk into here? <laughs> <laughs> well
0: with, with that being
4: said
0: What that being said Let's take wow. to our second count this is your two count. All right, guys, we're back with our second count. We're bringing in Rene Dupree. Uh, he already brought himself in as we were talking about our balls being sca- manscaped. Um, and by the way, do you have manscaped, Renee? I do, actually.
4: Uh, well, can exactly. you put it over? Fuck, put it over. <laughs> Are they sponsoring you too? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I use it. I use it for more than my balls, man. I do my my armpits. I do my chest. I do everything with it. It's uh, awesome. It's awesome. And then you you got those uh deodorant, the ball deodorant, right? Mm-hmm. How does that work? I haven't used that. Well, it's kind of self explanatory. It's deodorant, dude. You rub it on the fucking balls, and it gives a nice scent, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh... Yep. So sure. your significant other, your partner, will enjoy. You know, enjoy it, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. There you go. Real Real good. Good. And, Well good. And you got ball and you got ball
1: toner too. You could sh- spray that, you know, kind yeah. of it's, it's it's like a um what do you call it? A car wash for your undercarriage.
4: That's it. That's it, man.
1: But you can only get you get 20% off and free shipping. Uh going to manscaped.com and use a promo code refin. That's R E F I N. And Brian will actually hand write a note to you if you do that right now. (laughs) Absolutely, I will. Absolutely. There you go. Worth a shot. So so to get things going.
0: Yeah. You're best known in the World Wrestling Federation where you were actually one of the the younger ever to win some some gold. Well, I was the youngest until they decided to pull that stunt at WrestleMania with an eight-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Uh yeah, that that, was a shot. That was a a shot at me. That's not even legal though. He has to have working papers. What the fuck?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so
4: Canadians. (laughs) Right. I said as soon as he hits puberty, man, it's on, I'm gonna challenge him for the for the title. Nice. Yeah, another six years when he you know hits 13 or whatever.
2: But 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 aside from that shot that they took with the eight-year-old. You know, you being the youngest ever to win a championship in WWF slash WWE. Yeah. I how did how did it feel at the time? You know, here you are, this just as youngster. Did, did it did it click in? You know? I
4: didn't realize I didn't realize it, man. Wow. I didn't realize that I was the youngest. I, I didn't think about that until after I left. And I think they had done WWE had done like a, one of those promo packages about youngest champions ever. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, I was the youngest. Fuck, I didn't even realize it, right? But, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, shit, at 19 and you're a WWE champion, tag champion, it's like, fuck, I grew up loving the Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation and demolition, right? So, I had all those guys on my wall as a kid, so it's like, shit, yeah, it was a good feeling, you know? Hmm. But then, of course, they had to take it away by giving it to an eight-year-old. <laughs> what
2: a <laughs> rib, what a rib! Hey, well, if you're <laughs> going to take it away, why not go all the way? <laughs>
4: I mean, <laughs> nah, but how can you, like, seriously, like, it's so fucking stupid. But anyway, whatever. This is WWE, man.
0: They should have made the little bastard take some bumps. Right? <laughs> no,
1: nah, nah,
4: they'll probably. Well, hold on a second. Isn't his dad one of the referees? Was it,
1: um, was it, Jan, was it Cone? John was Cone? Cone's son? I, I think so. Yeah, I was think he was Cone? one of the ref's I, kids. I, I think long, you're uh, right. Yeah. Because I he won he the, he the tag straps with Strowman, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I may be wrong. I, I'd have to go back and look at it, but I'm pretty sure
4: yeah, it was it one. Of, I think it was that, his. It, it makes right. sense that they grab one of the boys kids, right? Right. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, why weren't you uh, uh, tag team champion then, Brian?
2: Yeah. What, why was it you, I with your dad? That would be your awesome. dad. Because hey, you'd
1: be the six man. It's be
0: six man with your uncle too. Because they're smart, they know how to make money, and they ain't doing it with <laughs> me.
1: <laughs> oh man! Uh, okay, so, uh, go ahead, Jimmy.
2: No, no, no. Because uh, going continuing on this, at the time, youngest champion ever in WWE. Here you are, this young man. You know, becoming champion. Did was there somebody that took you under the under their wing as you were there? Was somebody? helping guide you or or teach yeah. you or no yeah. I don't know. really
4: fuck it's a doggy dog world there they didn't want to see you succeed
2: oh.
4: you know what i mean no they were just fucking i was seen as a threat let's face it i was 19 63 260 mm-hmm. right with a great physique good looking kid or whatever and i was athletic in the ring so you think the top guys wanted to help me no of, i had no i had a lot of enemies there man right from the get-go even fellow Canadians man they wouldn't help you at all oh, wow oh no uh, who was the toughest on you well my son-in-law was never nice he would always make snark comments and then uh Jericho was a prick to me too and oh, really? one time I was like I was like because you know my dad was a promoter right, right. So,
3: pray.
4: Right. So I don't know, one time we're sitting on a shuttle bus coming from the airport or whatever. He's like, yeah, I sent your dad a package and uh, I never heard back, so I guess I wasn't good enough. I'm like, Chris, what year was this? He goes, 91. I go, you realize my dad shut his territory in 1990? <laughs> so the fact <laughs> that my father didn't book you a year after he shut down his territory is my fault, right? <laughs> but yeah, it, it's hard, like I'm sure, Brian, you probably had some some trouble, maybe like people felt like nepotism, maybe with the other referees. Or were you protected because your father worked with the company?
0: I wasn't protected at all because my dad never put me and him together. Okay. Um, my protectors were actually the guy that works with me right now, which is Jimmy and uh, a little announcer that's named Tony Chimmel. Uh They were. They yeah. were my go-tos. They were my help me out. Get me out of this situation because these guys right. are fucking with me and I don't like it. And I'm gonna have to fight back and I don't want to do that, and lose my job.
4: Yeah. So yeah. But you understand though, like some guys would took offense, like they thought oh, he's just here because of his dad or whatever the fuck, right? So yeah, that was kind of hard. But um what well, I want to say something. Fuck. Too many concussions, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you because sometimes I think too many ref bumps over here, but uh
4: <clears throat> right. you, talk
2: about, you talk about your dad, former promoter Emile Dupree, yeah. you know, what up here in Canada, you know, legendary yeah. name in the business. But yeah. did did you did you turn to him a lot when you first like stay in contact with him while you were down in WWE and get his advice on things, or did you
4: every time I would ask him for, you know, like he, one time he said, Well, ask them like when I first got hired, I went down to Kentucky, right? OBW mm-hmm. Developmental. And he said, Well, ask them, you know, ask somebody how long you're going to be down there. Like, how does it work? And then I did that. I asked Johnny Ace, you know, so how does this work, man? How long do I stay here? And all, you know, it took it like, Oh, so you think you're too good to be here? I'm like, No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just, nobody gave me like the memo or the guidelines of how does this, you know, how does this work? Like, okay, I come here. Do I stay here for six months, a year? Like, how does this? So every time I'd ask him, you know, for advice, he'd tell me to do something, then i get heat with the company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the time I didn't get a weekly check. You remember the, it was, um. what's the guy's name? The, the accountant name? Uh, oh, fuck, I forget his name. A Jewish fella. Anyway. I got a royalty check one week the following week. I didn't get paid. Like I didn't get a check. Okay. So I was like, well, shit, I should call up, um, Benny Morales. That was the, the yeah. yeah. So I called him up and it was like, Renee, you just got a, you know, it was like a $14,000 check last week. Like I said, I realized that. Okay. But like, did the check go missing this week's check? He was kind of like cutting a promo on me for the fact that, okay, I got a huge royalty check last week, but don't expect another check this week because you had a big one last week. So then I learned real quick, okay, don't ever complain about money because then, you know, you'll get heat for that too, right? So I remember talking with some of the refs. It was Jack Doan. He had told me he hadn't gotten paid like in three weeks one time. I don't know if you guys ever experienced that.
0: I've never experienced a money issue with WWE. Never one day.
4: Never one right.
0: day. I had I had checks coming in my mailbox and didn't even expect the sum bitches. So I was like, damn, man.
4: Right. Yeah, but Jack don't me one time you hang on pay like in three weeks. Wow.
2: Well, it, it was it was also while well, Jack was in the same position I was too because also on the ring crew as well. So right. it was kind of getting kind of getting two paydays, you know, because oh. you got paid for doing you got paid for doing your your ring work I and mean, you got paid for doing your referee as well. It was oh. separate. Okay. So it was kind of like a, you know, I was double dipping, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, listening to you, Renee, today and the yeah. thinking about what I said last night on your show, mm. that little prick fucking Johnny Ace, man, he, he, he thought he, he, he wanted to be fucking Vince McMahon so bad, didn't
4: he? Dude, I don't know. I think everybody has a negative Johnny Ace story. And you know what I mean? It's just he would... Oh, fuck, man. Don't get me started on Johnny. Right? <laughs> Had a great fucking run. He was there, what, over 20 years? In the top spot? Oh. Making probably close to a million a year. Right? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he made his cash. I mean, unfortunately, his little Johnny's what got him in trouble.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 wow. Should have kept little Johnny hidden away. So. There you go. <laughs> Yeah,
1: Glad we shouldn't have been using Manscaped. Uh, <laughs> <today>.
2: <laughs> but don't you have to be anyway? A man? Sorry, I'm oh, wow, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy oh, got yeah. one in
1: too. That's it, folks. We're done for tonight. We'll see you next week. Hey, that's um, it for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but Renee, you know, you, yeah. you sign at 18, debut at 19. You know, a lot of the time nowadays, you see a lot of the boys, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, any of you guys they could say a lot more of a bigger of a business instead of hey, I'm just going to wrestle you think about okay, you got your merch table you got this you got that right. was there at any point early in that in your career when it just clicked to say, oh man I can make you know X, y Z turn it more of a business instead of hey, I'm just wrestling on the weekends or what have you
4: well um so I started wrestling when I was fourteen, right for my dad mm-hmm. but the Maritimes was a seasonal promotion. So he would run like April to September, right? And then the winner was off. So working for him, I didn't make any money. It's like, <laughs> he was known to be quite frugal, right? And because I was son, you felt like, okay, well, I'll, I'll pay you half of what I pay everybody else. And you'll be happy with it, right? But that was okay. But getting to WWF, I noticed that they didn't want to make a t-shirt out of me because I was a heel. I was like, fuck. So now I was a heel the whole time I was there. But I did notice that every time I would change my ring gear, they would make a new action figure. Hmm. So if you go watch my old, my old stuff. I had like a red pair of tights, a blue pair of tights, a purple pair of tights, black pair of tights, But I also have about 10 action figures. Cause you know what I mean? so i said okay yeah yeah, so they can't give me t-shirts because i'm a heel which i think now is irrelevant right but back then so yeah we can't make merch for you because you're a heel so i said okay well i'll change up my fucking uh my ring attire and get more action figures you know and um but like post wwf yeah there's nights where i made more money off the merch table than i actually did wrestling
3: Mm. you know
4: So, like, now when I do a show, I specifically tell the promoter I want to be babyface, and I want the match before intermission.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, that's,
4: yeah. that's right. That's the show. but That's the match
2: right before they go on, you know, concession. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah see? See? you, see. So so when you talk about some of the biggest <coughs> takeaways that you've had working at WWE, that's one of the things you took away is, is the business aspect of it. Like you said, you know, asking promoters to be on before intermission so you can be at your merch stand during intermission because people remember the last thing they saw. Exactly. Exactly.
4: And, you know, being the main event, well, sometimes it's okay, but a lot of times people just want to get the hell out of there. So they'll say, fuck the merch table. Mm -hmm. I want to get home. I got to get the kids to school or, you know, we got to go to church in the morning or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Or be in the traffic. Yeah. I remember Undertaker was always the match before intermission always right mm-hmm. saw so, so his merch and then he'd you know take his shower and beat the fucking traffic get to the next <laughs> town yeah,
2: yeah. Now you got you, how was it working with him because you got to work with Taker
4: yeah shit worked with him fucking made a bit of house shows in Ohio we shit had a two segment match one time in Smackdown I think it was in San Diego yeah. Uh. Yeah. Oh, I was the one sacrificed too before, because him and Orton worked at WrestleMania one year, mm-hmm. and then before Mania, like he wanted to sacrifice. It was like a big addition to SmackDown. Where I'm going to sacrifice somebody, and then I was sacrificed. Yeah, he's a pro. He's a pro. He intimidating, is man. intimidating son of a bitch, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's a pro. Yeah. So, so, uh, Renee,
0: here's another thing I just want to bring up and. In- this is for listeners, not more so for you, because I know you're aware of this, but for a guy that, my, in my opinion, listening to what your your aspect was of the way things were taken when you were in WWE, you were kind of held back. No one wanted to help you. But on your own, if you consider it that way, I'm going to read a list, okay? I'm going to read a little list of something you were able to do on your own, okay? Okay. You were able to work, we already said, with The Undertaker. Yeah. You worked with The Names of, here I go, Kane, Rob Van Dam, the Dudley Boys, Ric Flair, Batista, Booker T, Ray Mysterio, The Hurricane, Matt Stryker, Tajiri, just to name a few. What about the 150 matches I had with Cena, for fuck's sakes? I <laughs> said fucking Cena. I said fucking Cena. What do you want me to do, 150 fucking Cenas? No, but but uh, what I'm saying is I'm putting you over. I'm saying, fuck. Okay.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, for someone who supposedly was not being pushed and not being – I mean, you were being pushed by the company, but I'm saying being pushed by the boys, you still found a way to get all these guys, these top names I named, some are movie stars – some are just, you know, whatever. You still yeah. found a way, man. You still found a way. You got to
4: feel proud about that. Yeah. Um, I'm proud, though, that once I left, that I was able to still make a, a living. Because I've I've been making a living solely off wrestling since I was 18 years old. Like, once I left WWF, I went right to Japan. I stayed there for 15 years. And between Japan and independence I would do, I still had years where I made six figures in wrestling. Not every year, but I still have been making a living solely off wrestling since I was 18 years old. Like, even now, with my podcast, between the podcast and my independent bookings, I still make as much as a really good nine to five. You know what I mean? So, the apartment buildings that I own, I bought and paid for them with wrestling. All the cars that I've owned it was all wrestling. All my bills are paid, all the clothes I wear, everything was through wrestling. So, you know, I'm proud of that. And independently, you can do it, but I—I I have to. I wouldn't have been able to do it without the, the exposure of WWE television. That's for sure. You know I mean? Did
0: did the did the the grind of the WWE make you lose your passion after that portion of your life was over? Did it make you lose guys
4: dying, guys dying, did big time? Because I mean, look at the years I was there two thousand two to two thousand seven. The Benoit thing was the icing on the cake for me. I mean, that was just. And, you know, we talked about this yesterday. The mind fucked, especially with that fucking Johnny Ace, right? Threatening to fire you all the time. And, you know, you had $500 fine if you're late. $500 fine if you're not wearing biz, mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: Christ. Mm-hmm. You know? But whatever. But, yeah, but guys dying, man. Fuck. I remember the first one was Big Boss Man. I got to know Big Boss Man in uh, OBW, and it's the nicest guy in the world, right? Yes, he was actually in yeah. the match. He was in the match with me. He was, you know, training for a turn. And then he blew out his shoulder. And while he's, he's out with the blown out so- a shoulder, they released him. And then things like four or five months later, man, he dies in an overdose, you know. Wow, and then, you know, Crash Holly suicide. And then you had all these other guys like Road Warrior Hawk. I got to meet him. And I'm a fan, you know, mind you, I'm 19 when I'm meeting these guys, but I grew up watching these guys. You know, you finally see him in the, in the dressing room. And then, you know, four or five months later, they're fucking dead. You know, and then Eddie dying. That one was so hard. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, Benoit double murder suicide was just. It's like my original plan when I asked for my release was, okay. I'll leave for a year or two, you know, go to Japan, learn a different style and then come back. But then things just worked out the way they worked out. And uh, hey, man. We're all here. We're doing roughing it up with Brian. We got our manscape. We got clean balls. <laughs> <Fucking A>. Hey, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, um, also, so March twenty fifth, two thousand
0: four, you had a what they called the Cafe de Renee, uh, Renee, or whatever the fuck you guys talk. Uh, <laughs>
2: What's this? You guys'
0: thing. What's this? You guys' yeah, what thing. About you guys. What, what this yeah. French, French, Canadian stuff. I don't know. I can't. I try to be cool and do it right, but I fuck up every time I do it. Teppei, <laughs> day. A, redim- yeah.
4: Is that right? Teppei on my podcast too. Yeah. Yeah, Teppei, No, oh, that was just something. Um, you guys remember the the writer? Uh... Brian gorwitz no no, 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 no. The one that turned out to be a fucking freak. Uh... Oh, freak. yeah, 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 yeah. He got caught. Oh, Dave
0: Logano.
4: Yeah. Yes. So he's the one that came up with that shit. But, you know, he was, you know, he was, he was a bit of a weirdo, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, 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 uh, well, listen, if you're whatever, you know, you, whatever way you swing is <laughs> up to you. I don't care. But when I'm a 19 year old kid and you're frisking me backstage, I got a problem with that. And when I tell, mm-hmm. I told that guy, he just laughs. Wow, that was another yeah, yeah, that happened,
2: dude. But that, but Brian's that,
3: face.
4: <laughs>
1: wait, 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 wait! What did wait, Brian wait. just walk into?
2: Wait, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. right. Uh, man, I might have never mind. Uh, yeah. What do you mean that, he was he was
4: hitting on you? Is fondling your ass? Fucking hitting on you? wow wow yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i would think
0: that would be a form of it yes
4: yeah and when you fucking tell that guy and that guy just starts laughing that was yeah. it for real that was it i'm like right. you know his oh, eyes and he'd kind of be flirting with me all the time and i remember asking luther rains you remember him horseshoe yeah absolutely and i was like hey luther man is, is this guy Okay, he goes. Fuck, there's a bear shit in the woods. I go, fuck. Okay, <laughs> yeah, because I'm naive, man. I'm from a small town. I'm, you know, 19, 20 years old. You know, a lot of shit. Like I learned what a swingers club was when I worked for WW for one of the the TV guys. I didn't know what a yeah. swing club was. Where you know couples go to a club and they swing. You know, I didn't know what the fuck that was. So I'm naive right. to all this shit, right? Yeah. So, you know, but yeah. Next question. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, wow how do you follow that up go to
1: manscaped.com and use a promo code REF, that's r-e-f-i-n to <laughs> get free shipping and 20% off
0: well if, 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 in about five minutes I've already got uh Dr. Phil coming
4: in and, uh, <laughs> hey now you know I developed a substance abuse problem boys fuck <laughs> <laughs>
2: Right, but yeah, because because that happened to you, and you went to the boss, and he kind of laughed it off at you. Mm-hmm. Did that prevent you from, let's say, going to? We talk about Undertaker; he was our locker room leader. Yeah, you know, what I mean, but did, well, did that kind of prevent you from going to somebody? You know, well, you like know, that?
4: you know who did with the same exact problem with the same exact person was Kevin Seven. That's Ooh. how uh, Lagana got fired. You guys didn't know about that story. Who is it? Who? Wait, who who'd you just say? You remember Mordecai? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, lasagna. I call him lasagna.
2: Lasagna. Yeah.
4: The said writer had proposed to him, like basically, like I want to make out with you, or I want to. And seven, Kevin. That's his name. He went to fucking t- take her, Told him take her. Went to Vince to get get, get rid of this guy. That was it. Wow. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That that
0: takes balls, man.
4: Yeah, but I mean, our head of talent relation was that guy. So, I mean, if you had (laughs) something, you know, you went to your boss. I'm your boss. I'm your boss. So Mm -hmm. I had, you know, I went to my boss. (laughs) You know, I should have went to, I guess I should have went to Taker. That Mm -hmm. shit, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Wow. Wow, wow, wow.
3: You got I
1: can, I can go if you want, Brian. I'm just waiting. It's like, you you can see the wheels turning, but it's just like, okay. They they are turning, my, 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 they're turning because I'm wondering if I should
0: just leave this alone at this point, and move on, or, you know, so, okay. well, I gotta, yeah, I gotta,
4: I gotta go watch a movie with the wife, but I mean, you know, <laughs> have I given you, have I given you a lot already? We're good, brother, we're good. Go okay. RJ. So,
3: uh,
1: you said a lot of, you know, the injuries happen a lot, you know, it is professional wrestling, it's, it does happen. I, um you know, friend of the show um is an independent wrestler down in Alabama, uh, Cabana Man Dan. Um, and I just, uh, friend of a friend told me that he ended up, uh, pretty having, having suffered a pretty wicked uh, calf injury, tore up his calf, did this, did that at an independent show down there. Physically, mentally, you know, injuries happen. You've seen the bad, the worst of the worst, yeah. both independently, when you're, you know, you're not in a major company and maybe in a major company, how do you physically, mentally, you know, get through that? Because, you know, it, it's hard.
4: Well, in the WF back then, a lot of guys would just take pills. Mm. Right? Yeah. And I was told to my father, if you're hurt, don't let the higher-ups, meaning Vince and company, don't let them don't let them know you're hurt. That's the old school rule of a wrestler. Don't let the promoter know that you're hurt. Because they'll think, you know, and I made a mistake one time of limping in front of Vince. I was working with the Dudleys and Bubba was Bubba. Mm-hmm. He dropped me in the back of my fucking neck one time before the what's up. You remember the what's up? He slammed you and then D.O.M. would come off. Well, he rushed it one night, dropped me right in the back of my head, screwed up my back, And I'm limping in front of Vince. And then he's like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Then it clicked on my dad. Don't fucking, if you got an injury, don't sell it in front of the office, right? So that's why a lot of guys would, you know, do that, take pills and stuff. But now, thank God, if the guys are hurt, they give them fucking time to heal. Because what we do is very fucking physical, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is hard mentally. Especially at that point in time, when your job's scared and there's only one company and you see guys like big boss men getting released after they separate their shoulder or you see guys like Test get fired after he breaks his neck. Am I right or wrong, Jimmy? You were there. No,
2: I was there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just hit you. No, yeah. I was there. It, and 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 it makes you think like, what the heck is going on here? Right. And, and it, it's kind of weird because when I got let go by the same guy, uh, you know, it was kind of like, you know, we're, this is just temporary. We, you know, we'll we'll be in touch soon. Never heard back.
4: Right. Yeah. No,
2: Think so about- I
4: was actually get this. I was rehired in two thousand eleven. I was uh I was living in Japan, and you know that's that guy's claim to fame was that I worked in Japan eleven years, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I got hired on my own with the same company that he worked for. That right. And I was, you know, doing well for myself. So that's when, of course, when you're doing well and you're, that's when they want you back. So I I, I signed the contract for five times the guarantee that I left for, right? But when it came to get my paperwork, because I'm Canadian, and uh, when it came to do my my work permit, I needed a waiver to re-enter or to apply for. A, they were going to get me a green card. So. Anyway, he said, get get this waiver, get everything cleared up, then we'll bring you back on top. So I did that, and a year later, when I had everything cleared up, or six months later, when I had everything cleared up, I called him no answer. So I was like, you know what? Fuck you. You know what I mean? I get it. You know,
0: here's another thing that's really scary as a wrestler, trying to make a living as a wrestler. Mm -hmm. So let's just say I'm Brian the Badass versus Rene Dupree. And I decide I want to work recklessly because I may be fucked up or just, I just want to work recklessly and I injure you and now you lose your job and it had nothing to do with you. Right. That's fucking scary shit, man. You can lose your job not due to you or your own non or good that you do to the business. You can lose your job because someone else doesn't take care of you.
4: Right. Um, well, I think, well, like in the case of WWF, They're more professional than that. I like to think and they can tell like their agents are smart enough to realize when someone's being taken liberties or, you know, right. But what's scary is these independent guys, especially in the United States, if they get fucked up and they have no insurance. I was just talking to a guy, a friend of mine from Tennessee, right today, right? And What you just said, the guy was being reckless. He was untrained. Because that's another problem in wrestling today. People not being properly trained. Backyarders getting in and just running shows, right? So anyway, this kid fucked him up with a chair shot. Completely de- uh, demolished his orbital bone. And thank God he had insurance. But you know how much it would have cost him to replace his orbital bone without insurance? $46,000.
2: Uh, you, you know, it's funny, you, you just brought it up, because uh, I was going to go there eventually to what is one of the biggest drawbacks from today's pro wrestling. And I think you just mentioned it is yeah. guys entering the ring before their time, right before they put right. in there. And and one of the reasons is, at least with WWE back in the day, yes, the scheduling was hard, but at least you were in there and training and getting your your bumps in. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and, you know, now, now guys are working once a week, twice a week.
3: Especially AEW.
2: Yeah. So, you know the the opportunity for injury to occur is greatly increased, right?
4: Right. It's true. It's true. Um, another thing about like my experiences on the independents. Um, when you're a name, then you know the promoters' buddies want to get. Oh, could you uh, can I do a spot where an A? And I'm thinking this guy knows what he's doing. I'm thinking, okay, this guy, it turns out this guy's just a fan who is, you know, he just wants to be a manager and he wants to have one spot with the, you know, the guy off TV. So I put a spot, but this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And I almost blew up my knee out one time with a guy like that. Right. And I flipped the fuck out and then, you know, but yeah, like you said, I think Pac, you guys know him? Adrian Neville? Pac? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, injured yeah. again he's injured again it's like jimmy was saying he only wrestles once a week and then takes like two months off to begin with because he lives in england but the fact that he only wrestles once a week and he wants to do all those fucking crazy high spots right which look phenomenal right but the thing is doing too much and then since you're, you know that's when you get hurt so anyway there's that other kid too we're talking Dante Martin on the AEW right and he does that uh, he did the Jesus Christ he's on a ladder he wants to do the Canadian Destroyer outside the ring through a table ends up snapping his fibula in half
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: right he'll never be the same he will never be the same mentally after that I don't give a shit after an injury like that that changes you for everybody you know and here's the thing we were talking about yesterday on my show with Brian right my james my co-host was the biggest fan in the world was struggling to remember the guy's name oh oh, yeah what was that guy's name what was that guy's name so what the hell was it worth Mm -hmm. right right,
0: exactly Mm -hmm. you're saying something as big as that that was that big the biggest fan in the world couldn't remember his name
4: exactly right because Mm -hmm. they do too many goddamn high spots none of it means anything and you know You watch AEW every week. Now that my Patreon, uh Catherine and Renee Patreon, everyone, (laughs) (laughs) we'll let you, we'll let let you get your shit in. Don't worry. All right. Yeah. Anyway, we watch it, and every week, man, I'm seeing someone either get injured, or it's a fucking just a hair away from being really fucked up because the shit they're doing is just too dangerous. Like Sting the other night, man, 65 years old wants to dive. Off the fucking ladder, <laughs> outside the <laughs> ring through a table, and his fucking teeth go through his lip for Christ's sake. Oh.
2: For what? For what? Right? exactly for Right. He's he's sting. He doesn't have to do that. He's already over with the audience. That's not going to get him. Moreover, it's going to make people go, "Are you kidding me? He did that." See, and that's that's you you're preaching to the choir here because one right. of the things you know I, I that drives me insane is trying to get twisting, burning 450 hammer Phoenix splash in, as opposed to trying to get the audience invested and interested in you, in your story and your character and wanting to see you as a heel, get your ass kicked or as a baby face, kick some ass.
4: Look at this. I was watching that little MGF, right? He's a good little worker, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
4: He's working with uh, Big Bill. That was a uh, big cast before in WWF. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian Cage, two big monsters, right? Uh, big Bill, big Cass, He's like seven foot tall. So what did he do? Is a spot that I I usually always do with uh, the bigger bigger guys. You go for a slam, you can't get him. Go for a slam, you can't get him. And the third try, you fucking get him. And the crowd popped huge. They popped just as much as if he would have done a four fifty through a fucking table because they told a story. Right. They built the fucking move. A simple body slam. They told a story. It's psychology. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Oh. You
0: sounded like me on your show. But look, you're fired.
4: It's <laughs> passion, brother. No, listen. We, you guys are just, you know, we're all the same. We, we've done this for a living. We've been, we love it. It's, it's, you know, it's, we love it. So we're passionate about it. And just, you know, I don't like seeing guys getting fucking injured and shit, you know. And when they do get this, this is how it affects me. When they do more shit like that on TV, then when I go do my indie show, the younger fans expect you to do more. they want you they want to see what they see on tv i'm not gonna Mm. 40 years of age i'm not gonna do no fucking 450 through a goddamn table (laughs) are you crazy (laughs) you know but i know how to work i know i can put in my 15 20 minutes and put on an exciting match but you know the younger the crowd's getting is they're expecting more you know so anyway
0: we just we just keep in mind renee you're only getting older and they're only getting younger so that's gonna always be a problem (laughs) (laughs) hey uh you can touch on it if you want it's not about getting diving it's just a matter of figuring it out uh so march 2007 uh not sure how good or bad that year was for you but i know that it was kind of short-lived when you uh came back with uh your tag team, uh, once again, here's one of those other fucking names again, Grenier Grenier I'll just say that I can say call that. Called him
2: Sly. It's called okay. Sly. Sly. Here,
0: yeah.
2: um, Granier. There you go.
0: <laughs> uh, you you were sent to rehab after violating the health and wellness policy that WWE or WWF had in place. Yeah. What was the experience with that, and how did that affect you after you left
4: that? I asked to go. There was an incident in the ring. Where it was like, okay, we debuted on ECW. They wanted to go to OVW the next day and work on some stuff. I overtook a medication, got screwed up, and I felt so shitty afterwards. And I realized, okay, this is out of control. I need. I have a problem. I need help. So I asked to go, in which they provided for me. As a matter of fact, the first one they sent me to was in Tennessee, and it was like a. a I call it like a, a dollar, dollar store rehab. Right. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck this place. I want to go to a really good one. And they did, they paid for it, man. I went to Atlanta. I was there for three months. And I learned the science behind addiction. I learned everything there is to know about opiates because that was my drug of choice. Um, I learned everything to know about withdrawal and fucking just everything there is to know. Cause if, if, If I'm into something, I want to educate myself to the fullest. Like, for example, when the CTE stuff came out in concussions, I educated. I went to fucking doctors. I fucking studied the shit to the max because if something's going on in my body, I want to know about it. I want to know everything there is to know about it, right? So when I left there, I felt great. I had all this knowledge. I felt fucking wonderful. But a week after I got out is when the Chris Benoit shit happened golly dang I was in get this my rehab was in Atlanta right by the airport he lives by the airport I was in College Park Ah. so like I don't know if you guys know about rehabs but for four months you're sitting in fucking groups every day for eight hours a day like talking and listening to stories and telling about your feelings and all this other shit and like sometimes it's like okay well because you're you're in these apartments with four of the guys, like just two, two bedroom rooms and you're four guys in an apartment. So if one guy forgets to fucking do the dishes. Well, you're in a group that day trying to explain to him how that made you feel that he didn't do the dishes. So, I mean, they're dissecting you to the fucking tea here. Right. So four months of that shit, and then you get out and you go back into the WWE world. Right. And then one of the, your close allies, a fellow Canadian fucking, you know, kills his family and commits suicide. That screws you up. You know, and they, when you're in there, they're, they're, they're saying you gotta let go and let God and follow the signs. The God's gonna give you signs in life. You know, it is a spiritual program. So I thought to myself, Well, I don't know, that's a pretty
2: big sign. Mm. <laughs> pretty big sign. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, maybe, maybe I need to so.
4: change the scenery here for a little while.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that 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 situation there that you talked about with Chris, it, it messed up a lot of people because you, you know uh, and you you understand i understand now your point of view because of what you were going through how much it piled on even more on top yeah see, see yeah. Uh, yeah man yeah I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just god bless you got through it man
4: yeah but to this day people still talk about it you know but then you know if we keep going down the timeline then guys kept on dying you know
3: mm-hmm.
4: i remember being on tour this is independently uh, on tour with test you know me and test worked together in france and you know my character my gimmick was the guy from france so when we toured france man fuck we did great business it was me and test every night you know Mm -hmm. so that was a big moment in my career you know and then we were going there for the second tour test dies of an overdose you know he was clean he had cleaned himself up but that's one thing I learned in rehab about fucking opiate addiction, is that when guys clean themselves up and they relapse, something like fifty to sixty percent of the time, they'll overdose, because they'll go back to taking the same dosage they took when they were clean or when they were at their peak of their their addiction, and they'll overdose, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And then we'll fast forward again. I'm in Japan. I'm teaming with Lance Cade, and it's the day before. Yeah, me and Lance Cade were a tag team. Voodoo Murderers in all Japan Pro Wrestling, right? I got him. I got him his gig there after he he got released from WWE. He called me. He says, "Can you get me a job?" I said, "Sure, man." Anyway, we were scheduled to win the fucking tag titles over there, which tag titles over there is a big deal. I wanted to surprise him. It was the day before the fuck he was supposed to fly out for the tour. He fucking dies of an overdose. Wow! Wow! Wow!
3: Yeah, uh, twenty-nine talk- years
4: old.
0: Dog say well let's do this um i think this is a good moment to end and get to our <laughs> third count.
4: i'm sorry i hope i didn't no. fucking dibby down y'all y'all here <laughs> no, no no let's no. talk about our balls <laughs> it,
0: it was fabulous it was fabulous no 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 it's awesome but we are going to get to our third count we're going to come back renee we're going to do some fan questions let you put your fucking self over so you can get mm-hmm. to your wife and show her what those <laughs> manscapes do baby We'll be right back with Third Count coming up next. This is your Three Count.
2: This is the Ruffing It Up podcast, and what would a Ruffing It Up podcast without a third count? What would it be? And here we are. We're going to answer some of your questions that you sent us for Renee, and we're going to start right off. Uh, RJ, what do you got?
1: So, I actually had uh, a, hopefully a listener of the show one charles robinson hmm. dm little me I, I you may know him i don't know i i, I don't know he, he he goes by many <laughs> different names
3: <laughs> Little love, by the way little before niche. You ask
0: this question, hold on rj before you ask this question i absolutely love it and i hope renee takes it the right way because it's fucking amazing i love it
2: yeah. yeah
3: woo
1: so i and i quote unleaded or premium you're jacked
2: <laughs> oh holy, man, holy premium brother.
3: Ah, there you
2: go. <laughs> there you go. Un- oh. Unlike Charles, who- who's on diesel, but anyways,
3: that's right. that way. He's uh, on fumes.
2: There you go. He's on empty. Um, there- there's a question from a-, a listener named Ben Findlay, and he wants to know who came up with the little French tickler dance.
4: You guys remember Ricky Martel? Of yeah. Mm-hmm. If you go watch old Ricky Martel stuff when he was the model, he he that, he that was the actual the innovator. And I was a big fan of, of Rick Martel heel work, right? And I actually back then kind of looked like him. And <clears throat> he had came work for my dad in 97. And I remember I was like, you know, setting up rings and selling merchandise at 13. And I'm fucking watching him in the ring. and He did that little dance. And I was like, and it just hooked right so then i got to obw because before that i was always babyface working for my dad i got sent to obw and i was i was a heel and back then you know you had the rock doing the people's elbow and then you had other guys doing like signature poses and stuff so at that time it was kind of in so yeah that's where i came up with the friend and uh jerry lawler is the one that named it french tickler so, Rene, I think you in reality, a, a French tickler is like a, a sexual type mm-hmm. something. I don't
0: know. I'm learning a lot about sexuality and sex on this show and balls. Wow. All right. Um, anyway, um, Renee, you've had many ups and downs in this business, like a lot of us in this business. Yeah. Um, what would you say is your biggest moment? And what would you consider the low moment that you've
4: had? Oof. um biggest moment shit i guess i guess winning those tag titles for the first time you know or uh or the single match i had with john cena you know it was la's la times forum i think it's called Los Angeles completely sold out. Yeah. You know, yeah, the, the forum. Yeah. The forum. The forum. Yeah. It was completely sold out. And that whole pay-per-view was really built on two matches. It was Eddie and Bradshaw and me and Cena.
3: Mm.
4: But I remember like the, the house shows leading up to that pay-per-view. It's like me and Cena would always steal the show, man. Like, you know, it was just two characters that I was over as a heel, he was over as a baby face. And you know, the crowd would really eat it up, right? So, but the lowest part was fucking getting deported from the United States in 07. (laughs) That sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So what had happened was I'd asked for my release and uh, I got booked in Japan. I was living in Houston, right? So I flew to Japan. I had my tryout match. They signed me for a year contract, which had been perfect. I could have taken care of my bills, mortgage, all that jazz. And that was the plan for one year. Boom, and then go back to WWF, right? Well, on the way back from Tokyo to fucking Houston, I get there and my, because I'm Canadian, my work visa for WWF has expired. I just expired. And fucking, yeah, you're not allowed in, buddy. So they fucking, I had to pay $800 cash to get a fucking flight to uh, Toronto. And I'm from New Brunswick. So my parents had to fucking fly me from Toronto back home. Oh. That fucking sucked, dude. <laughs> yeah. I was out of the United States for like five years.
0: How, how far is Toronto to New Brunswick? Two That's hour flight.
4: Yeah. Two hour flight.
2: But it's so, a ridiculous it's a ridiculous drive because unless you cut through the United States, it's it's right. hard to explain. It, it's almost like you got to go up through Quebec, around down, and it, it's it's yeah. a heck of. So a drive
4: so that, would probably be about sixteen, maybe seventeen.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. So so that
0: flight would probably be equivalent to say um, Atlanta to Texas.
4: Yeah, that'd be yeah, about two <laughs> hours. Yeah, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Renee, if you were able to land a spot back in WWE, AEW, or let's just say Impact, how would you handle business differently knowing what you've learned through the WWE in your first, you know, major portion of your career?
4: Oh, I think I've earned a lot more respect now as opposed to just getting there, being a young kid, being naive to a lot of things, and maybe not, you know, But now I've been in the business 26 years. So, you know, I feel like I should be treated with respect and stick up for myself. And, uh, you know, I was really shy back then, which a lot of people took as, oh, he's just an arrogant kid because he won't talk. But in reality, I was really fucking shy, you know, Mm -hmm. but now I have more of a person. That's the one thing, like everybody backstage and, you know, talking with people, but as a 19-year-old kid, I can't relate to a guy who's in his 30s or his 40s with kids. <laughs> you know, what am I gonna talk about? Uh mm. talk about the gym, work out, because that was what I was into, right? You know, but now that I'm older I got more life experience and we can, you know, converse more and right. So mm. I definitely think uh I don't AEW uh no, thank you. I mean <laughs> no. I mean no. Uh WWE, I don't think I mean if they were willing to invite me and call me and say, hey, you know, like to I would I would go.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, but I don't think I don't think that's gonna be happening, but if it did, yeah, I definitely uh consider it. How about in that? No. No, listen, I like, there's a lot of, I got a lot of friends that work there. A lot of people I like and stuff, but no, there's only one place in the United States I would go and that'd be for WWE. Interesting. So
0: let me, so let me ask you this. This is a, uh, this is a Brian Hebner question. So me, you met when your first feet stepped in the door, we hung out, we worked together. Yeah. You, you mentioned all the bad things that people did and said and whatever. Was I ever that way to you, or was I always open-armed and always willing to help and be there for Mr. Renee Dupree? Nah,
4: you're always cool as shit, man. Yeah, you're always a good dude. Yeah. There's no, there's, no, there's no competitive professional compet- competition between a referee and a wrestler, right? No. So mm-hmm. I remember. I remember... I remember it was one of my last days. You had came up to me and you're like, "Renee, I heard you're gonna debut on Ron." This is right after I got out of rehab. I don't know if, if somebody in the office had went to you to come tell me that, or if you had heard it. But I remember you specifically coming up to me and say, "Renee, I heard you're gonna debut on Raw soon." I don't know if somebody from the office had told you to come tell me that, just to fucking, you know what I mean? But I remember you did that.
0: Well, let me explain something to you. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that that you're not right. right. I was actually told to be a stooge by Johnny Ace. Wow. Uh, and I, and I'm not even lying when I say this. Uh, I swear to God, this is the straight truth. Um, I was told I needed to report to him with anything and everything that was bad in the locker room. Um, I would get no heat. No one would know. Yada yada yada. Um, this is when they started, I don't know if you remember this or not, when they started checking, uh, a, like how, w- what time people got to the buildings and things of that nature. Um, that was all orchestrated by me. I had to do that, but I don't know if you were in a locker room or not, because obviously I know, and I'm not, I, I know what a lot of what you said is very true. Cause I saw it in front of my own eyes. Yeah. Um, I made an announcement to the boys. Uh, and when I see the boys, I'm talking about your takers, your cenos, your, your, your your eddies, all that stuff, mm. and said the responsibility that I had. If you want to do whatever you want to do, please do it. Just please don't do it in front of me because I got a responsibility. I warned everybody to just. I was doing. what I was supposed to be doing. I was, or told to do, or I wouldn't yeah. have a job, and right. that's the straight truth. I told them all. Um, I, there, there was a pill debacle where pills were taken out of. I believe it was your bag, or 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 um, it might have been Grenier's no. bag. Number.
4: I was gone. That was Ken Kennedy's bag. Okay. I had been gone out of the company by then. I, but okay. I heard about it. Lance, Lance Kate had told me the whole story. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't was just cool. pills too. Somebody's Rolex watch that went missing and money was missing. All kinds of shit went missing.
0: Well, well, it was my job to figure it out through the locker room. Like I was the mole. You know what I mean? I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I simply couldn't do it. Pretty uh, yeah. I, I simply couldn't do it. So what I did was I said, the boys didn't tell me anything. Nobody would tell me anything. Nobody told me a thing. I, I don't have anything for you, Johnny. Well, you got to know something. I know you're close with Brock. I know you're close with the taker. Tell taker what's going on. He'll figure it out and you'll get the message. And I'm like, I did. I did already, which I didn't say shit to him. Like I wasn't doing that shit, Right. but I didn't make it clear to tell everybody that that was what I had to do. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to be here on time, good. If you're not, you need to text me and call me so I can put a gimmick time on there so where the fucking boys, you know, are, are straight. Yeah. It was crazy, man. It was crazy. Johnny Ace, it, I don't know, man. It was crazy, man. Johnny Ace was a fucked up motherfucker, man. I think that he wanted me to get beat up or some shit. I don't know. Well
4: You weren't the only one. I know Mickey J was rehired specifically to be a stooge. Like, that was mm-hmm. Johnny's hire and I mean, part of his yeah. job was to be a rat, to be a snitch. Yeah. No, 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 because no dis- he's dead now, but yeah, yeah.
0: yeah no, just there's, no disrespect to him at all. And I have a lot of respect for him. I met him, he's a nice guy, but well, here's the thing when better- you're sitting at
4: home, you're sitting at home, and you don't have a job, and the phone rings, okay, we can hire you, give you a hundred thousand dollars a year, but here's the deal you're gonna be a, a rat. If you're fucking need to pay your bills, guess what? You'll yeah. do it, and, and, and you're not very good at what you do. Well, mm-hmm. he, he was no Jimmy Cordero or Brian Hebner you know <laughs> balls. Fucking you.
0: <laughs> we might we're the best referees with the smoothest fucking balls baby that's there you right. go baby
4: that's right yeah. Yeah,
1: there's there, there's yeah. there's the audio audio drop of the week there folks mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so our next uh next question comes from uh from johnny he asks oh how did the how did you find the responsibility of leading matches in wwe as a heel at the age of 19.
4: You probably um, didn't lead matches, did you?
3: Mm.
4: No. Depend who I worked. If I was working Lion Storm, he'd let me call the match. Loved working mm. with Lion Storm. Because I I knew how to lead a match even at that young age. Cuz shit even by 19 I'd been in the business about 5 years, right? Wow. But um if you're working a guy like Booker T, he didn't, he didn't want you to call, you, you know, I'd say, can I please call my own heat? And he'd be like, no. You know? <laughs> And other guys, everything is so fucking choreographed from A to Z. There was no mm-hmm. calling it in the ring, you know. Right. A guy like Lance Storm, we would go at like house shows. We would go out there, call it in the ring. He let me call me, and we'd have great matches. The guy was so fucking smooth, man. It's mm-hmm. easy to, you know, you're next to Lance Storm, you're like, okay, night off. You're not going to get hurt. It's going to be mm-hmm. easy. You no, know, No egos involved. Just go out there and work, right? Yeah.
0: I hear you. Yeah. I tell I tell you a guy that, that with the uh, Lance passing man, that really hit home with me. And I got to actually do the uh, once again, RG going to have to help me out uh, the Airbnbs or whatever. Is that right?
1: Air, yeah. Airbnbs. Uh, yeah. It was yeah, like the, like it, the little, the, the, they run out like a house or something. You mean those, right?
0: Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. when I was in NWA, we, uh, we had Airbnbs and, we, and me and Maureen would book all the, the houses for all the boys and, uh, Trevor Murdoch stayed with me. And, uh, man, that, that, that was a death that hit him. Um, uh, yeah. Like tremendously dude. And I got to hear his story. Uh, we, we drank some beers actually, no, I'm sorry. He did not drink beer. He was not drinking beer at that point in time. Um, I don't know if he still does or not. He quit at that point in time, but man, you talking about a pouring out of emotions, man, I got to sit there and he made me drink a lot more when I was sitting there listening.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> which doesn't take much, uh. but it was, um, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one too, man. Um, I mm-hmm. feel bad for that. Jar Murdoch was a big, big, big uh, fan of his, his, his brother, I guess,
4: Lance. Yeah. Right. Well, they're, they were really close. They were tag partners, you know, I think that three runs, three runs as t- tag mm-hmm. champion stuff. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah. fuck me and Lance, we were tag partners in OBW right and then we were going to get called up together but then the whole la resistance thing happened right Mm -hmm. and then uh post wwf in japan we tagged up in two different companies you know so you know we're both around the same age and like when we're in developmental he was only yeah he was two years older than me when everybody else was about 10 Mm -hmm. years old so you gravitate towards guys your own age right like me and paul london me and uh well, me and Paul, I mean, we're, we're, to this day, we're still pretty tight, right? So, yeah, he's that's a great right. guy, Paul.
0: <laughs> well, Renee, we've gotten to the portion of our show, buddy. And here's well, what it I is.
4: hope I wasn't too boring or too depressing. No. No, <laughs> oh,
0: you are absolutely awesome, and this is going to be good. And I know you don't listen to the fucking show, but you better listen to your own fucking podcast.
4: Well, I'll say. listen to myself. I'm going to listen to myself.
2: <laughs> oh, of course.
0: Well, that's good. I've li- so got to listen- the portion. Well, we've gotten to the portion now that you're the best at, and that's put yourself fucking over. So go mm-hmm. ahead and do that. Tell us where we can find you, where your social medias are, where you're going to be at next, and all that
4: good shit. Put yourself over, kid. Okay, well, let's see. I don't know if I can do this very well. You can find me, uh, Cafe Renee on Instagram and on Twitter. I don't run the page, but my co-host James does, so if you want to message that guy, he'll know us how to get in contact <laughs> with me. Uh, Caffeine Renee on YouTube. It drops every Monday and Thursday live. Uh, please subscribe to that. And I also have my Caffeine Renee Patreon. If you, we do watch alongs of Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, pay per views, AEW Dynamite. And I'm brutally honest. I'm kind of like Brian here. If I see something that I don't like, I'll fucking scream at the TV. So, you know, but that's awesome. about it.
0: That's awesome, awesome! Oh, you're oh, you're a big deal now. You got somebody running your fucking shit.
4: Okay, <laughs> no, it's because I'm too fucking stupid to do it myself. You know?
1: <laughs> hey, guys, Jimmy, RJ, what do yeah. you got? I'm I'm, I'm sad,
2: Jimmy. You're up to you. I'm all good. I'm just happy to see my old friend again. It's been a long time, and good to see you're doing well.
4: Yeah, That's... great, great to see you too, Jimmy man. Yeah,
2: you, you know because because oh. Brian talks about nice guys in this business, you were. You know, as a, even as a young guy, you got it quickly. At least from from my point of view, when I saw you, and when you when you were on SmackDown, it was like, yes,
4: cool. Well, hey, um, come do my show sometime, Cafe and Renee. Are you interested? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, can I find you on Twitter or can I? My... Absolutely,
2: at Jimmy Cordero. Really...
4: Jimmy. Okay, well, you'll have a message, probably not from me because I'm not on Twitter, but definitely James. James, that's my uh, co-host. Okay, so.
2: and you do it live on Mondays, you said.
4: We do it live on Mondays or Thursday, whichever works better for you.
2: Okay, we'll figure it out. We'll All
4: right, man. Looking awesome. forward to it. Sweet, yeah. awesome,
0: awesome dude. So, Renee, I just wanted—I I deeply want to say thank you very, very much, buddy. Um, this was awesome. Yeah. I'm glad we got in touch with each other. We're able to do each other's show. Um, uh, you're a good dude, man. I don't care what anybody says. I'm sure you got knocked around and beat around. Mm-hmm. We we heard the story. You know what? Yeah. Guess what? You said you had 26 years
4: in the business. Look, you're not close to me and Jimmy yet, kid. All right, brother. All right,
5: I'll try to make it there. Okay, guys, you guys take care, man. Thank you so much for this.
2: Thank you, You René. Take care, buddy.
5: Be a man on the move, but your face doesn't have to show it. Manscaped has you covered with the Handyman Compact Face Shaver for trimming on the go. Before you get the shaving, make sure you fully juice up that rechargeable battery. Once fully charged, the light will stop blinking and stay lit for 30 minutes. Then unplug from the USB-C cable and it's time to refresh that face of yours. The handyman is equipped with a unique two blade design, the long hair leveler that cuts down long hair and the foil shaver that shaves stubble down to smooth. Stay looking fresh starting now. Power on by pressing the one touch on off button for the most comfortable shave place the blades flat against your skin leading with the long hair leveler gently run the shaver in an up and down motion the long hair leveler works to trim down up to three days of scruff while the foil brings the shave down to skin all in the same motion power off by pressing the start stop button now let's get to cleaning it's easy with the power on just rinse the device head under the faucet for a deeper clean turn the power off Remove the replacement blade and rinse that and the body of the handyman separately. Let all these parts air dry then you're good to reattach the blade, attach the protective cover and store your device. Now you can be ready when confidence calls for more grooming goodness. Go to manscape.com. Gentlemen, we are coming to that part of the show for us now.
1: Uh, Jimmy, man, I, you got to get a, uh, one of those, what do they call those? Um, old school, the Rolodexes.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: You get one of those things, okay, Monday you got this, Tuesday I got this, Wednesday we got this. Man, I don't know how you do it, man. I really don't.
0: Wait, 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 and he just got invited on to something else to do now, so that's great. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah, so it's amazing. You have to, because I got one of these now, and put everything on the calendar, that's the only way I'm going to remember anything nowadays. Like I said with Renee, too many ref bumps over the years. So, you know. Yeah, uh, it, it was a fun one today, that's for sure. Yeah. So how
1: how uh, how can people get a hold of you, watch your stuff over there, Wrestling Inc. All that good stuff. Get your uh,
2: your refing rants. Ah, oh, awesome. Well, the refing rants are Monday to Friday on all my social media platforms, and it's again little critiques, not to tear down, but to help tighten screws that I believe need tightening. And also, you can catch me on the Wrestling Inc. website on Monday nights doing post Raw review, and on Wednesday nights doing post Dynamite review. And, uh, of course, you can catch me here on Ruffing It Up with, with with you guys.
1: So, Brian, you're probably going to be changing your, uh, your Twitter handle there to the Advocate for All Referees, I'm sure, very, very soon. But until that happens, how can uh, people get a hold of you?
0: Uh, first of all, I just want to say what a magnificent podcast we just had. Uh, great emotions, uh, passion, all that stuff good stuff, man. I love it. I love, that's why I love doing this. I told you I was in a great mood. I, I continue to be in this great mood now at this point too. And if we're at the end of the road, somebody's in trouble once this is over with, I'm in this house. I don't know who it is, but uh anyway, <laughs> Uh but no, I do want to say I'm, I'm I'm pulling a Bubba here. I don't know why I keep bringing Bubba up every week. Sorry, Bubba. I love you, buddy. I don't know why. Um, Anyway, Jimmy, how long have you been in this business?
2: Uh Well, I started in 85, so let's do the math.
0: Okay. A long time. A long time, Uh, yes. So let's just say this. Whatever you say on your reffing rant, uh, everyone better respect it because you've earned that right. So whatever. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Um, You can reach me on social media. at at babyhebner on Instagram and Twitter, the Twitter machine. And uh, that's it. I don't have any other stuff. And I want to do also want to thank out to uh, J.D. uh, JD, Here you go. Yeah, I mean, it's better than a blooper reel, right? Yeah. Uh, right. You know, AJ McKay, JD, JD Hoop, yeah. those guys are amazing. Uh, JD Hoop yeah. just had a, what, crazy week, didn't he, uh, with the SummerSlam? Dude, he
1: had, um, he had, he actually designed the gear for Cody Rhodes uh, wow. at SummerSlam. He also was part of the team that did um, LA Knights gear as well. So, Dude, I, I message them every once in a while to check in say how things are going. But dude's blowing up if you're not following either one of them. their their links are or the excuse me, their uh handles are in the show notes here. Give them a follow. They do absolutely everything, and it's phenomenal. Um, and I'm like I said, I can't speak for you guys, but I'm just thrilled that they're part of this team and uh to the moon. Yeah, awesome. I would
0: just say I'm so happy to have them part of this team and both of them are smoking hot right now yeah.
2: as well as we are
0: here at reffing it up. So yeah. with all that being said, I just want to say that uh, next week we've got uh Garrett Bischoff. Garrett Bischoff mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. should be very interesting. Uh, if you don't know, if you're under a rock, it'd be the son of Eric Bischoff, who I mm-hmm. had the pleasure of working with uh, for many years. Uh, aces and eights if it doesn't ring a bell. But anyway... We're going to dive into all that, talk some EB2 and some, just some Bischoff shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's going to be some good mm-hmm. stuff. So
3: yeah.
0: with that being said, guys, thank y'all for tuning in. We'll see you next week here at Reppin' It Up.
2: One, two, three.